Hey, welcome to Genesis. This is uh, our very first uh, Sunday in, um, in this building. Before we start uh, in worship, uh, many of you guys have been tracking our story uh, for a long time now. And uh, Genesis is not, this is not day one, um, this is day couple hundred, I don't even know. But uh, we started as a very small Bible study um, about four years ago, uh, my wife and myself and about four or five other people, and we prayed, we studied scripture together every Friday night, and uh, we got together, and uh, our journey began in the summer of 2005. So uh, this is nothing new, we've been uh, seeking God's heart for our lives and for the life of this community and for the community and culture uh, around us. And uh, we lived and were a ministry uh, of another church called Hope Christian Church in Winchester uh, for a few years. And about a year and a half ago, we started asking a question, uh, God, what do you want to do uh, with your community, your church called Genesis? And uh, we began the process of saying we sense God's calling us to be established and planted as a brand new church in this great city of Woburn. And uh, fast forward uh, even a couple months, uh, we were looking for space, and uh, this was a space that got opened up to us um, months ago, and uh, we've been in here working pretty hard and uh, ran into some obstacles, um, which are really just opportunities, and that's kind of the way we treated it, as some good opportunities. And we were struggling. I don't know if you noticed our sign as you came in, but it says, Certificate of Occupancy. And that was a really big deal to get that certificate, and a lot of work. And uh, it came down to a deadline on f- this Friday at 12.30, and uh, myself and Mike Costa walked into the... brought him some muscle, um, <laughs> just in case my charm didn't work. Um, and the building inspector, uh, we walked in. I'd seen him now three times in the span of 12 hours. Uh, some would call that stalking. I would consider it persistency. Um, And it was amazing because we walked in and he said, listen, I don't have time for this. I didn't get to touch this. Uh, We'll deal with this uh, next week. And so he said no, like a pretty emphatic no, fist down on the ground. And uh, Mike and I were a bit dejected. And I said, is there anything that we can do, you know, uh, to make this happen? And uh, all of a sudden, within the span of like five minutes, there's some private meeting with a commissioner, a plumber, a building inspector, and they have this little back office meeting for like five minutes. And he comes out, total change of mind, total change of heart, and says, listen, this is what we can do. (laughs) He went from such a hardcore no to a very positive yes with a yes of please don't put any curse on this building office. And I was like, well, it was getting kind of close, actually. Um, But it was just really amazing. It reminded me, actually, of a proverb. um, And this is uh, Proverbs uh, twenty. 1 verse 1, and it says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he directs it like a watercourse wherever he pleases. And as I was thinking about that, the king in this story uh, was the commissioner and this building inspector, and it went from a very strong no over the last few weeks uh, to a very emphatic, uh, we can make this this work. And um, that was a great gift from God. uh, to us, and we just wanted to say thanks uh, to God as we start off. I want to commit this space to Him. And if you're brand new, first time today, or have been coming just over the past few weeks, past few months, um, a verse that I wanted to read. I actually read this last week, uh, but this is a couple verses out of First uh, Samuel and Second Samuel. It says this in uh, chapter two, verse two: "There is no one holy like the Lord, 
There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. And then fast forward to 2 Samuel chapter 7. How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There is no one like you, and there is no God but you. The God that we are committed to worshiping is the God of Jesus Christ. Uh, we are about him, his fame, his glory, his renown. That is our heart's desire and commitment, and our heart's desire is that the world around us would know uh, who Jesus is. Hey, it is uh, absolutely awesome uh, to be here. It's uh, crazy to think of uh, what this place was. Uh, and I just wanted to say two things. Um, thanks for putting in uh, the time, effort, and work um, that uh, so many of you guys did from uh, painting and scraping floors and putting tape on windows. And uh, this place literally was vacant for the better part of a year and a half. And uh, it didn't look anything like this. And so uh, there was probably a good 10,000 hours worth of time that we put in over the last uh, four weeks. And uh, whether you put in an hour or whether you put in 9,000, um, uh, everyone played a part. And so I just wanted to say thanks uh, for playing that part and, uh, and just doing it well. And the other thing I want to say is just uh, thanks for being flexible. Uh, obviously, this is a brand new church, and uh, part of being a brand new church plant is uh, holding things in your hands very loosely, that uh, if we're going to meet on a beach one day, if we're going to meet in a parking lot the next, uh, it's never going to be about the place where we are, uh, but the God that we are with, the God that we are serving. And um, it's going to be a commitment to being on mission uh, together as a community. I had to remind myself that. Hundreds of times as uh, it was difficult and challenging, frustrating at times, working with different inspectors, and I had to keep my mind, this is not about a space, this is about a community of people being on mission together, uh, to love God together, and to love uh, the community and culture uh, around us. So uh, thanks for serving, and thanks for being as flexible. Uh, at least I didn't hear anything over the last month. I never heard anyone complain and be like, ah, oh, gosh, this is getting so tiring and old, and why do we got to be in the parking lot and sit on grass and all that kind of stuff? You guys were great in just being flexible, so thank you uh, for that. Um, let me ask you a question. Think about the last time you took a risk. Some of us love, we're like risk junkies, and uh, we just head straight for any risk that we can possibly take. Some are adverse to taking risks, and we kind of live in a box, and we don't talk to people, and we don't engage. We just we, uh, live in fear, maybe. I want you to think about the last time that you took a risk. And I'm not talking about like just being dumb with something, but took a risk of you, you were challenged. You were called out to step out in faith or step out just to be obedient with something that normally would be very difficult for you or to trust God for something greater than you may have ever trusted. I'm talking the type of risk that um, if it didn't work out, it just would not go well for you. So I'm not just talking about like, well, if I wear this shirt today, that's a closet decision, not a risk. So you have something in mind of the last time you just stepped out and said, you know what, I'm just stepping out. Um, I was thinking of uh, at least a big one for Kyle and I is when we actually moved here to Boston five years ago. We were native uh, in Midwest, uh, grew up in Chicago for a time, uh, then went to Ohio for a time and back to Chicago and uh, Kyle was uh, largely in um, Indianapolis, and we felt called of God to come out to this great city of Boston. Didn't know a soul, had no clue why Boston, of all the places that we could have gone. At the time, she, we already had one uh, son, Tristan. She was eight months pregnant, and we felt God tell us to come to Boston. And we're like, you know, if this doesn't go right, 
this will really, uh, this could go really bad. Let me just say it like that. Uh, not knowing anyone. We just didn't know anything except we had a clear conviction that uh, God was calling us to step out, take a huge risk, and move to a city where we just didn't know anyone. What was a risk? That was five years ago, okay? That's just one I'm thinking of right now, but what's a risk, a time you stepped out and took a risk? And how did it go for you, by the way? Whatever your situation, maybe it was, you know what, I've been doing this career for X amount of years, and I'm done. Or this relationship, I'm being challenged to step into a brand new relationship. Or in your marriage, I've been doing marriage like this for 10 years, and I'm done doing it like this. I'm going to completely... What was it that you did? One of the things that uh, I want to look briefly at Scripture in this morning is kind of the if factor. And how many times the if kills us from actually stepping out and doing things that God is calling us, challenging us uh, to do. Meaning, what if... I don't like it. What if it doesn't work out? What if it's not my thing? What if God doesn't show up? Many of us live kind of with the if, and therefore we're not really living. We just keep asking questions. Peter, uh, if you're familiar with scripture, I love Peter because he was a guy who just kept stepping out. Sometimes it just didn't go all that well for him, but he kept stepping out. And in particular, this is a story that some of you might be familiar with. This is in the book of Matthew, and it records when Jesus actually walked on water. And I'm really going to share just briefly from this text this morning, because there's some other things um, I want to be able to share with you. This is the story of when Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. And Peter, along with the other disciples, at best were freaked out. Scripture says they were literally terrified of what they saw coming towards them. They thought it was a ghost. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Lord, if, if it's you, and I wonder how sarcastic he was being. Yes, seriously, really, Jesus, if that's you on the water, go ahead and tell me to step outside the boat, and I'll walk on the water with you. Like, that's ever going to happen. If, Jesus, it's really you, if it's you standing there, then go ahead and prove and... Heck, here's an idea. Why don't you tell me to come out and stand on the water with you? To Peter's surprise, Jesus answers his if question with this. One word, come. I'm thinking when Peter probably heard Jesus say four letters, come, he was thinking, okay, I wasn't really serious. Jesus responded to his question with an invitation that just said, come. And in that moment, I wonder Peter's struggle that he had in his heart and his mind of, am I really going to step outside of this boat, put my feet on water that I know I will sink as soon as my feet hit the water? Now I'm either going to get called out and I'm not going to be the man that I think I am. What's Peter going to do? A simple if, and Jesus says, come. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, 
and came toward Jesus. How long do you think it took for Peter to be realized, wow, I'm walking on water right now. I've lived my life on the sea. I've never seen this. That's why I was terrified. But now I'm looking at myself standing in the middle of this huge lake. And he's not sinking. Talk about the excitement, the joy, the confusion of, I cannot believe this is actually working. He's standing on the water with Jesus. Got out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? He answered a question, if. Jesus answered his question. He asked a question with an if. Jesus came back with a response of an invitation that said, Come. I wonder how many of us are living life uh, with an if rather than actually living life with a response that Jesus and an invitation that Jesus has said to come. The great tragedy to me in the story is not that Peter took his eyes off Jesus and he saw the wind and was terrified because Peter saw Jesus as Savior. Jesus reached out his hand, grabbed hold of Peter and pulled him back up. That's the first time that ever happened in Peter's life. So he met Jesus in a brand new way. As he's sinking, Jesus is still standing firm. He sees the Savior's hand come and grabs hold. I think the greater tragedy in the story is that there was 11 other guys in that boat. And I wonder how many of those guys were thinking, why didn't I get out on the water? Why am I sitting here on this boat watching all of this happen before me. What if I would have gotten out? I wonder what if I would have done this. Eleven men sat there and watched this all transpire. I see the greater tragedy is that when they saw Peter standing, they would have jumped out as well, and they didn't. And I wonder, why didn't anyone else in that boat decide to respond to the invitation that said, Come. Do you think Jesus would have been like, no, no, this is for Peter only. There could have been a party on the water that night. But instead of a party on the water, there was a boat filled with men thinking, huh, I wonder if I could have done that. What if I would have only done this? I think about these 11 guys, and I just put myself in the midst of the story. What would I have done? Would I have been Peter with a sarcastic question of, yeah, if you're really Jesus, go ahead, tell me to come on the water, and actually stepped out when he invited me to, would I have been one of these 11 men that just sat there watching all of this unfold? Life lived by the if. And by the way, it was turbulent no matter which way you go. Some of us actually find it's more comfortable in the boat, it's easier in the boat, so I'm going to stay in the boat but they were still facing the same storms that Peter and Jesus were facing on the water. It wasn't like the wind just affected Peter. The boat was rocking back and forth. Sometimes we think if we just stay here, it will be so much easier. No, they were still in the midst of the storm as well. Life lived by the if, and life lived in response to the come. 
As we're starting out, I just wanted to share this as more as a, a devotional thought. What would it look like if all of us made the commitment to say, I'm done with the if and I'm going for the come? What would it look like for an entire community of people here, all 75, 80 of us, who just said, I'm done with if? And if Jesus had says, come, which he has, I will live my life in response to an invitation that Jesus has said to come. I imagine months from now, the stories and the testimonies in the next evening or morning, wow, we're not in the evening anymore, are we? (laughs) The stories that will take place of, it was so amazing how God did this. When I went here and said that, when I participated in this, when I spoke to this person, when I made this change, when I repented from that, and I stopped living by if I did this, if I said that, if I go here, and I just said, the heck with it. He said, come, and I'm going to go. And you start trusting Jesus to do things with you, through you, around you that you would never have experienced unless you got out of the boat. I don't know about you, but I would love for all of us to live life on the water. I'm not personally interested in just trying to stay comfortable and cozy in the confines of a safe structure metaphor of a boat. What would it look like for us as a brand new church in this great city of Woburn and the surrounding towns uh, to say, Jesus told us to come to him and then he sent us out to be a people who would love really loud. Not with just words, but actually with actions. And we lived life differently, not because our life was driven by an if, but driven by a come. Next week, we're going to start our brand new series uh, called I Want to Live. And we're going to do as long as it takes us. uh, We walk through books of the Bible uh, pretty slow. Uh, We just finished about a year-long study of the Gospel of Mark. And uh, we're going to take probably about a 14-, 15-week study of Jesus' words uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to just faithfully and slowly walk through uh, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 11. Because there is a difference of people who are just surviving life and people who are living life the way that God intended and called and purposed us to live. Life lived the way Jesus is. He's saying, come. Come to me where I am. Don't be driven by an if. You know, one of the things that came to mind is um, Peter. Okay, Peter's a guy who said, I'm done with the if. I'm going for uh, the come to Jesus. There's a great story in Acts chapter 2 where God just, the Holy Spirit comes down. There's mass confusion amongst thousands of people. Someone asks the question, what is going on? Are all of these people drunk? They're speaking in these crazy tongues. What is happening? And in that moment, guess who stepped up to the plate and took a swing? It was Peter. I imagine Peter probably looked around. It's like, well, I'll take this one. Peter steps up and preaches one of the most phenomenal messages where 3,000 plus people came to faith that day. I imagine there were some people in the crowd that day who looked at Peter and be like, are you serious? You just denied knowing Jesus 50 days ago. 
You publicly denied Jesus three times and said, I don't even know the man. Call down a curse upon, I swear to God, I don't know who this man is. Now, 50 days later, he's up preaching a very powerful message where God uses him and draws people to himself. 